Welcome to CX Diaries. CX Diaries from the Customer Experience Foundation is our podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres. The movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors, and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Ray Biggs, Chief Operating Officer at Ventura. Ray, hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Keith. Really pleased to be here. Great. So um, you moved from a big career in in-house contact centres to an outsourced provider around about a year ago. Um, share some of your insights into your thought process around making that transition. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Um, yeah, it, some might say a bit of an unusual step. Um, and I remember at the time people kind of going, you're going to the dark side. And I think uh, I have to say, I, I kind of thought maybe I was a little bit. Um, however, now on the dark side, I'm looking at the uh, the in-house side and going. I think there's more dark art that side of the fence than there is than there is ours. Um, I, I, I've worked in-house operations and I've worked with a lot of outsourced providers um, really successfully. Um, so I've always been a fan of the outsource model and always recognised the value that that could bring. Um, I kind of got to a point where I was really looking for a bit more variety. And, and a different level of challenge. Um, you know, incredibly proud to have led the, uh, the the John Lewis and Waitrose operations. And you know, there aren't there aren't many much bigger or better than that. So where do you go from there? Well, actually, um, I kind of saw going into outsourcing as a way of, of of giving back a little bit and actually being able to help multiple clients, but also get out of the retail vertical as well, which is where I've been for the last twenty years. So that that was kind of the motivation. Amazing. And so how have you found it? What were the sort of main differences you've noticed in your time there between in-house versus BPO, both in terms of the work environment and the nature of the customer and the contact interactions? How have you found it? Yeah, it's um I knew it was I knew it would be a change of pace. I didn't realise quite how fast it would be. Um, so I kind of thought I might be running a 1500 meter race and I actually find myself running multiple hundred meter sprints every day. Um, so the, the speed and pace, uh, was, was an adjustment. Um, I think it, it's the, the, the breadth of challenge is huge because you've got the added dynamic now of a, of a client, um, as well as your end customer. So, you know, typically in an in-house operation, you've got your customers and your stakeholders. I've, in this role, I've got my stakeholders, I've got my agents, I've got the end customer, and then I've also got the client. Um, you know, so that that kind of fourth dynamic um, has been a really interesting challenge to uh, to deal with because and, and the variability in those clients in terms of what they want, their needs, how involved they want to be, there really isn't a one size fits all. So I think. You know, people have to look at outsourcing and think it's a it's a factory and it's a machine and it's a there's an operating model and that applies and there's no variability. I think it's probably quite the opposite. Actually, the variability is huge. 
Uh, and I'm actually quite a big fan of that because that's how you really deliver the best for your clients by, you know, really tailoring what you do where you can. Yeah. And how have you personally adapted to those new dynamics and those changing expectations? I, I've, I've had to dust off some skills that I haven't used for a while. So, you know, look, I, I was in a, a big organisation with, you know, a big team around me and all those huge support functions. Um, and, and certainly in, in this role, we don't we don't have that luxury. So therefore, you know, um, what I've had to do is, is really train my brain to go from, you know, in, in at 12 o'clock on a Monday, looking at weekly performance to one o'clock looking at three year to five year pipeline strategy to uh, wondering whether we've got enough toilet roll in the toilets and everything in between. So that kind of dexterity of being able to think big, think small in a, in a nanosecond is where I've really had to go. I found myself knackered when I first started the job. Uh, and, and Joe, our CFO, she said, how are you finding it? I said, I'm knackered. And she she played it back to me. She said, it's, it's the agility you're having to use to literally move from the minutia to the, the the million miles in the sky. And she's she's absolutely right. I've, I've adjusted to it. I'm still knackered. Um, but but actually, there's a brilliant you know there's a brilliant challenge in that, right? Um, you know, I guess I would say, was I getting bored in my previous role? I, it, it was becoming so. I, I'm never bored in this one. There's 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 always something else that I've got to be doing, um, and that's what I like. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, and, and, and thinking back to my time as a COO, although it was an in-house, it was uh, an NHS direct, and that was a very big, complex <laughs> operation. I found that you could work 85 hours a week and still only scratch the surface of what you needed to do. Yeah. How are you going about prioritisation these days? It's a different dynamic. For you. Oh, yeah, sure, sure it is. Sure it is. I mean, you know, people, I, I, if if I'm honest, and, you know, hopefully my, my boss won't listen to this, but he, he's the least important. So it, it's literally, it's it's the agents that are on the phone and those operational teams that are delivering, and then it's the client. Uh, and actually, you know, those two, because if 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 those two aren't being managed, um, aren't being appeased, then the whole world starts to implode really quickly. So, you know, prioritise that, but actually having a really good team around you. So actually not falling into the, the, the trap of, mm, I've got to do everything myself. You've got a team, you know, trust your team. Your team will never let you down. Your team will never knowingly let you down. You know, they might have gaps in ability and those kind of things, but um, using your team and, and taking the pressure off yourself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Keith, working. You know, you could choose to work all the hours God sends. I think one of the lessons that I learned kind of previously in my career is they're not, you know, where you choose to invest your time is really, really important. And, and you know, I've had roles where I literally, you know, sold my soul to the devil. Uh, and looking back, I wasn't probably that effective. I thought I was because I was just working really hard. And there's that there's that trap that you fall into. Um, so, you know, I, I watch it for myself because I can get consumed. But I'm also trying to watch it for my teams as well. You know, being always on doesn't mean you're brilliant. You know, some would say if you're always on, then you've got poor time management, right? Uh, I'm not sure it's necessarily quite that binary, but getting that balance is that important. Yeah. Um, during the transition of, of, and um, your early time in the role, 
Were there any unexpected obstacles that arose? Anything that you weren't quite expecting? Um, I, I think dealing with clients. So you know, I was a client. You know, I've been a client of of, of all of all the big guys. By the way, if any of those are listening, I was a brilliant client. By the way, <laughs> I can I can assure you of that from what I've seen. I um, could I couldn't say the same about myself. But happy <laughs> Um, so actually the, you know, um, it, it was quite an adjustment for me in terms of, uh, running, you know, three and a half thousand seats broadly across an in-house and outsourced operation, uh, to Interventrica where, you know, some of our clients, you know, it's 20, 25 seats and, and actually the attention and focus those clients apply to that. You know, I'd, I'd underestimated and and how close they are um, to the detail was a bit of a shock for me, really. Um, and, and therefore, you know, engaging with them in a meaningful way, actually, you know, what I wanted to do was to kind of help strategically and, 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 and operate at that level. But actually, they're already down in the detail. So that was a bit of a oh, flipping heck. How am I going to how, how am I going to support and get into that? Um, and then just the, um, the the fascinating perennial challenge, and I did it as a, as a uh, as a client, is this constant challenge between quality, service, cost, and everything else. And and it's fascinating. You know, one of the brilliant, lucky, lucky things about being in this role is getting close to such a variety of clients and how they watch how they wrestle with that challenge you know to to varying degrees of success it's it's really really eye-opening yeah so we, we we touched on how your roles change responsibilities change um how you develop the skills and expertise and how that's evolved do you feel you're a better ops director now than you were 18 months ago yeah, yeah, head and shoulders. Uh, I tell you what, I feel, I feel scared more regularly, and I take that as a measure of. I take that as a positive measure. You know, there's going to feel the fear and do it anyway, right? I, I, yeah. I, I, I've been in in a couple of roles. I'd got to a point where I knew everyone, knew everything. Um, and you know that that's. A, a nice place to be it's a very comfortable place it's not a very scary place um and i you know i'm i'm learning more now i probably learned more in this last eight months than i learned in the previous five years yeah possibly yeah. more um so thinking more broadly um across your career what sort of strategies and best practices have you found to be effective in maintaining quality and customer service delivery and how does that apply whilst working with multiple clients these days? Yeah, I, um, the 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 joke that I got maybe too late, but was you just got to really listen to your customers. They're, they're, I, I I get quite frustrated, which is a polite word, the the word that I was about to say. Um, there are lots of organisations, and I've worked in these organisations where there are lots of people who think they know what customers want who have views and opinions on what customers want and how they want to be treated and how they want to be dealt with and what services they would like. Um, there isn't enough actually talking to customers and asking customers or listening to customers. 
Um, and I think that's something that certainly, you know, my kind of t- tail end of my career at, at, at the partnership was absolutely something that we'd we'd got and we'd started to latch on to. That and uh, the voice of the agent. So, you know, look, we'll all be familiar with lots of voice of customer programs and da 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 um, yeah. But actually, you know, voice of the agent, you know, these are the people that are having, you know, pick a number, five, ten, eight calls, conversations with customers every hour, right? And organizations will spend a whole lot of money doing a whole lot of research to get a whole lot of customer insight. And it's like, you've, you've got this incredible rich vein of insight right under your nose. Um, and I don't think organizations are doing enough to really capture that. Um, but but you've got to take it, you've got to analyze it, and you've got to make it actionable and meaningful. And, you know, certainly from a, from a Ventrica perspective, it, it's forefront of our minds in terms of, okay, that's great, Ray, so what are you going to do about it? And, and what can we, Ventrica, do to help support our clients? So, you know, it is under that big bucket of insight, right? That's a broad old church. You know, you can go off and do a whole lot of analytics. This is about how do you surface, how do you surface the voice of the agent? who can really tell you what customers are saying and will also have a view and opinion on what's broken and what needs fixing. Yeah, And I just don't think anyone is really good enough at that yet. I think there's a significant shift in that direction, but I, I you know, I see that as the place where, you know, if you're really customer focused, that's where you need to be playing. So let's explore that a bit more. Um, have you seen any notable or particular differences in the training and support provided by outsource providers in general, as well as where you are now compared to previous experiences of in-house? Yeah, so, I mean, my experience um, from a venture perspective is we're, we're, we're more consistent. So I, I, we, we have to be because it's our day job and it's what we do. I, I actually think we could be better, and, and that's just me because I think we always can be. Um, now, you know, if I look at what we did in jail, we, we had some brilliant uh training capability there but probably if i look across some of the other organizations i work for probably not as good actually as what outsourcers have because you know this is what we do we you know our our core skills are our soft skills you know process training system training maniana you know f5 button great brilliant where our magic comes is is the soft skills and you know for us from a venture perspective we're again we're you know, really doubling down on emotive CX. So, you know, Minehill Wilson did a big piece of work on this. We did some work on it in uh, in JL. I'm really keen to bring that back to the fore now um, with Ventrica in terms of how can we leverage emotive CX techniques and strategies within our soft skills training and therefore deliver better outcomes for our customers and and how do we do that? And you know, we've got we've got some exciting stuff coming. I think over the next six to twelve months in that space. Yeah, um, I know venture care are very big on EX, pulse checks, and engagement, all that good stuff. Um, how have you seen that impact performance and job satisfaction during the time there? Yeah, it's, you know, that we, we had a session uh, a couple of weeks ago with, with some of our commercial team and talking about, you know, what's the secret source? What's the venture secret source? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the answer was, well, it's our agents. Actually, you know, we've we've won deals, you know, we've pipped competitors uh, because of our people and the experience that, you know, those those customers have had talking to our teams, 
you know, coming on site, you know, we've got, we've still got a physical bricks and mortar operation. We've also got a home working operation um, where our, where our people are brought in to talk about what they do, demonstrate what they do, show the care. I mean, you know, we've got a, um, we, we support a client um, with uh, retirement homes. Um, and uh, I, I think this is a brilliant story and I, I wish I'd been there so I could claim it, but I can't because I wasn't, but I, it, it, I love this. Um, during lockdown, clearly not many people are buying retirement homes and those kind of things. Uh, and what this client could have done was said, well, actually, let's just wind down the operation and mothball, you know, and then we'll come back out when all this is over. They didn't. They said, actually, um, we we think your people would be really brilliant just to do some some welfare calls. And actually, they kept paying the bills. They kept all the resource there. And that and what they wanted to do was go out and make uh, phone calls to existing retired residents in retirement homes, recognising there would be levels of isolation, all those kind of Just say, hi, just checking in. How are you? Are you OK? Have you got everything you need? You know, uh, yada, yada, yada. That, for me, is an unbelievable example of an amazing client who really cares about their customers, but also recognising the magic source that we've got with some brilliant, brilliant contract centre advisors that are then able to make those calls and actually add real value. And those those agents, you know, and they're, they're with us now. You know, if you talk to them, you know, the value they felt by, you know, being allowed and asked to do that, they felt they were really genuinely helping um, so, uh, you know, our people is a magic source for me uh, and it always will be. We've got brilliant tech, right? Everybody's got brilliant tech. We've got brilliant tech, but I think people's the magic bit. Always will be. We talked about uh, a lot of the challenges um, that you've had since your transition. What have you found particularly rewarding? Being scared. But genuinely, um, and, and the fact that I'm learning so much on a on a daily basis so uh, genuinely it it's lit a fire which is great because you know i probably didn't actually realize that fire had maybe gone out so um so i think that that that's brilliant um i'm working with a with a brilliant team um you know both both my you know my peer group you know um across joe and pete and ian um but also you know, down through the organisation, you know, our shared services function, our ops function, you know, our commercial team, the talent is is massive. And, you know, I've got a real bee in my bonnet about, you know, how, how can we be better at managing talent? We've got some great talent. I think some of it is almost by accident. Look at us. Um, how can we get better at um getting greater consistency on talent management in the organization and really bringing some stuff through. We've got, you know, we've got some brilliant people um, and we owe it to them um, to, to give them career paths and things like that. So, uh, you know, those are the things for me. Um, and I've, I've actually found myself pitching as well, which is weird. So I never thought I'd find myself in front of clients selling my wares. Um, but I actually really enjoy that because it's credible and I'm, you know, I'm selling a product that, that I'm emotionally connected to that I'm part of delivering. Um, you know, I'm not selling something and walking away. I'm I'm selling it and owning it and delivering it and we'll get kicked if it doesn't work. So yeah. um, I'm enjoying that though. That's good. Amazing. Um, looking back on your decision to transition from one side to the other, um, 
what advice would you give to anyone else considering a similar move? And what sort of lessons have you learned that you wish you'd known beforehand? <laughs> um, so, look, anybody considering this move, uh, uh, it's not for the faint-hearted. Is and, and, and what I mean by that is um, the pace is is I would imagine is significantly greater than whatever you're currently used to. So be prepared for that. Um, you're going to need buckets of resilience, but I think generally anyone who works in the CS space anyway actually has resilience, but, you know, your resilience will be tested. Um, I think... Um, think hard about why you're doing it and what you want out of it. Um, because if you just wally into it, um, you, you'll probably not last very long um, because it, it, it is a hard-working, tough environment. But if you're very clear on what you want to get out of it, and also what can you bring to it, I think that's the other thing. You know, if you talk to Ian, the reason why Ian brought me in as opposed to another BPO, COO, was that he wanted somebody, he wanted the voice of the client in the boardroom. And, you know, I will regularly do that and go, that's great, guys. But if I put my client hat on, I'd tell you this. Um, so I think, you know, if you're moving into this industry, don't think you've got to forget every actually bring bring your toolkit with you because there'll be a place for it. Yeah. And, and that leads us on nicely to the next question, which is what would your advice be to clients um, who are either thinking about sourcing for the first time or experiencing issues with a current provider? Now you're on the other side. What would your yeah. advice be? Think really hard about what you want and what you're trying to do. I think where um and, and, you know, I've, I've done this as a client in previous roles, right? So um, I'm not pointing fingers at, at anyone. I'm actually kind of reflecting on myself a little bit. Be really clear and honest about what are the outcomes that you want and what is most important to you. And if you haven't got absolute laser-sharp clarity on that, you're not ready to outsource. Because what will happen is you'll outsource and you'll get something that you don't want. So... Um, and I think, you know, I'd really encourage people to look more broader. You know, the whole race for the bottom is is a fool's game without, you know, without question. And, you know, I know it as a, as a buyer of services. Um, but, you know, if or, or at least be really brutally honest, you know, if that's what you want and all you want is the cheapest possible, you know, agent sat at a desk. Then, yeah. then don't hide. Be, be upfront because be you care know, about it. There are some there are some folk out there that will do that brilliantly for you. If that if that is all that you want, they will do that brilliantly for you. And and also, do you know what? You waste less time. Yeah, yeah. And, and taking that a, a stage further, how is your perspective on customer service and CX and the role of contact centres changed since joining an outsource provider? Do you feel more connected to the broader industry? Do you feel less connected to a brand? How are you feeling about all that? Where's that going? Really, really good question, Keith. It's um, I, I struggled a little bit with disconnection from the brand. So having been kind of brand side, if you like, and certainly, you know, with, with the partnership with JL and Waitress, such incredibly powerful brands. So to then actually be in this position, which is where, you know, and it's fascinating because this is where our agents find themselves is, you know, Ventrica brand versus, you know, our clients' brands. Who do I work for? I work for Ventrica, but I'm working on behalf of and 
how, how do you do all of all, all of all of that sort of stuff? So, um, actually, w- where I've got my head to is, you know, Ventrica brand is about delivering is about delivering brilliant CX, and whichever one of those brands it is, they want brilliant CX. So, okay, right. So, I'm more aligned now to delivering brilliant experiences. How we do that. And whether that's through digitization, transformation, emotive CX, you know, whatever it might be, that's kind of, you know, we need to solutionize for those clients and we need to help them. And I, I think what, what outsourcing needs to do is provide much better thought leadership to those brands. You know, we, we shouldn't just be a, well, you could choose to be, certainly from a venture perspective, we don't want to be, you know, hate the phrase but we don't want to be a bums on seats uh outsourcer right we actually want to work in partnership you know i want to be in a place where people don't quite know where the brand stops and ventrica starts we want to be in a place where we can take clients on a journey you know we can deliver them financial results we can deliver them you know improve csat and we've got the tools in our armory but we we need to you know we need to be on the forefront and help help clients do that uh, you know are we good enough at that at the moment? No, we're not. Will we be? Sure, we will, most definitely. Um, but I think you know that's what that's what outsourcing needs to do. I think it needs to take greater responsibility for that thought leadership piece. Yeah, and uh, finally, how do you unwind an escapement? Or we all know a COO you can be working eighty-five hours a week. What do you what do you do for your downtime? How do you switch? Uh, I'm, I'm a simple lad. Uh, cooking, based on the size of me, I do plenty of that. Uh, but I do. I love to cook. Uh, you know, I've got a, a family around me. You know, I'm kind of happiest cooking for the family. Gardening, I, I love. I love messing about in the garden. And the reason is because you start with a crappy bit of mud, and after about an hour, you stuck something in it, and it looks great. And I'm like, that's amazing. I wish work sometimes was as was as immediately uh, rewarding as that. So those uh, music. I'm a massive. Music I went to see a uh, a Prince tribute at last night. Uh, I've got about nine gigs lined up this year, so yeah, those are the things. Fairly simple, and an occasional glass of wine, Keith. Just an occasional one, obviously. Amazing, uh, Ray. It's been absolutely super having you with us today. Uh, I hope our listeners have found this as wonderful as I have. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org, and do take a look at Venture for Two. We thank you for joining us on CX Diaries, and we hope to see you next time.